Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My guest this week is Ann Filmer, who is the Artistic Director at the 16th Street Theater. Hello, Ann. Hello, Tom. How are you? Great. Tell us about your, your current show, the, the crowd you're in with, which I thought was terrific, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's a play by Rebecca Gilman. And it premiered at the Magic Theater in San Francisco, and then it was at the Goodman two years ago in the summer of 2009, and that's originally where I saw it. And I fell in love with the play because I thought, now finally, here's someone bold enough to actually talk about this issue of whether or not to choose to have children. Well, I couldn't agree more because I've had that debate. I've never had children. And, I, you know, I agree with her. I don't think that uh, you necessarily need to have children, but it would, it's certainly a worthy topic for theater. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing that it hasn't, you know, been a topic that's been on our stages before. And if it has, I haven't um, read or seen any of those plays. Uh, normally the plays um, that tend to revolve around um, trying to have a child is is that issue of, a couple that really, really, really wants to have a baby and is unable to do so or is going through the process of trying to have a baby. And it's very rare to actually have an issue where, um, and in the crowd you're in with, of course, the uh, the older couple in the play um, chose not to have children. It wasn't because they couldn't, and it wasn't because they hate children. <laughs> Quite the opposite. They, they love children. They just never wanted... Um, uh, children of their own, and also, um, uh, in a way, which is really interesting about the play, this this idea of what happens to your relationship um, when you bring a child into the mix, when when baby makes three, yeah. and it's it's a challenge. I mean, I I I am a mother. I have one child with my husband. She's six years old, and it is a challenge, and it's one that um, it's hard to talk about because you don't want to discount um, your child or your love for the child, but there's something that changes in the relationship with one's partner yeah. when you bring in a, a third person. Well, you're lucky enough and, and strong enough to, to still uh, have a career and go after what you want and still have a child. I think one of the topics they deal with is is how many people's lives uh, sort of ends when they have a child because they can't go after their dreams. They do talk about that, and I personally know people who who got trapped, you know, into having kids and and had to stay with a job and a career they hated for thirty years just to raise the kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that is, you know, and it's. Um I mean, it, you know, it just gets harder as, as we get older anyways, and, you know, priorities do shift, and it is great, though, to have, you know, a focus on the family and not have one's career be the only, um, you know, uh, the one, the one, the biggest thing in one's life. But, yeah, I mean, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's all about balance. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the production. Sure. Uh, uh, you brought in an, uh, a director, and you, you don't yeah. direct all the plays. No, 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 no. That would be gone. a little too much. Yeah. But but I do love to direct. But this director is Anish Jasmalani, and it's his first time directing for 16th Street Theater. But he has a lot of experience oh, yeah. with Rebecca Gilman and her work. And so when I asked Rebecca, initially I was actually supposed to 
uh, direct the production, but then uh, something came up over at Steppenwolf with Tony Fitzpatrick, and I know we'll talk about that later, yeah. but um, but then I asked Rebecca who she wanted, and Anish was on the top of her list, and um, he Boy, is... that says a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, um, you know, he is a, uh, Anish is also an actor. Oh, yeah, he's, so, he's tops at both. Yes. Yeah, so um, I would I would call him an, an actor's director. Um, he really knows how to bring out the best, and um, his productions tend to be uh, a very, very natural. I mean, I've had several audience members comment on the fact that, you know, it just seems like we're here overhearing these conversations. Yeah, that's um, it true. It just seems so natural. Let and me ask you this. Uh, the Steppenwolf production was around 85 minutes, because I was looking at my old review, and this your production is 75. It, uh, I don't see where the cuts were. Did, did Rebecca oh, come and I see. Or? Now this, now I know you're right. And this is no. There were there were no text revisions. And this and this um, thank you. This has to do with um, actually different productions. And um, but ten uh, minutes on a. I yeah. no, no, I was I was shocked. And um, um, I think maybe at the, yeah, I don't know. Was it eighty or eighty five, or if it's due to you know a larger audience and and you know more laughter you have to you know you have to do yeah. you have to do a production very very different when you're in a large space yeah and they the were given. in a bigger space yeah yeah, much yeah. but there was no text difference okay. um i think it has to do with um timing and laughter and maybe the you know the focus of of the play because i didn't miss anything and i, I like i said i i agree with you i love the play i think it's a, a strong and important piece but uh, so give a little commercial for it, so then we can move on. And talk <laughs> sure, about no your problem. Company. Yeah, so the crowd you're in with, we have um, there are uh, there are three couples in the play. Uh, one couple is uh, um, about to give birth very soon, and um, it's it's two couples in there. The two younger couples are in their like er, you know very early thirties, and um, then the other couple. Um, uh, Melinda and Jasper are trying to have um, uh, a kid, but as as the play goes on, um, you find out that Jasper is a little unsure about that decision. Uh, where Melinda is very, um, uh, it's very important for her to have have a child of her own. And then um, into this Fourth of July Independence Day barbecue comes this older couple who are not only childless but they're also atheists. And uh, so they say that they're not really um, uh, fit for any company because of that. They're they're very funny. They speak their mind. Um, they say they, uh, the only thing they do proselytize about is actually on um, politics. They're very involved politically, and um, uh, they want to have conversations about subjects that can actually uh, change things. So uh, they're very opinionated. So it becomes very tense. And uh, but Rebecca is always uh, Rebecca Gilman is such a hilarious playwright, and she always um, knows how to just say just the right thing, things that I think we think but don't often say aloud, and her characters will say them. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's the I think that's I think you hit it on the nose. I think that's her uh, her calling. It is. It is. She just uh, she's she's a truth teller, and she's she's unafraid. Well, and the, the older couple certainly stirs things up. Oh, but yeah. what I like is the speech. Uh, toward the end uh, oh, yeah. with the couples where you see they're really human because at the beginning they come off as like these these nasty old-time hippie liberals oh sure right and then right later on you realize that that uh, they have something to say and they have a little bit of heart to them absolutely absolutely well it's a marvelous production and and uh, uh, I, I talk about casting oh 
sure. Did, sure. did you cast it or? On, no, on actually, um, our the the director is always in charge of casting. Of course, I have input, and I was there, and so was um, the playwright Rebecca Gilman. Um, was you know we were all in the room, and um, you know Anish being an actor who works all over. Um, and his associations with Eclipse Theater. Um, he, uh, you know, he cast a, a wide net. He knew some really great people. And, um, yeah, uh, some new faces, some relatively new faces too, which is good. Yeah, some new yeah. faces. I mean, Soren Browers as Jasper, um, gives such a range to that character. His angst is, uh, is funny to watch, but then, um, heartbreaking. Um, and then you have Brad Harbaugh, who I've always, always loved as an actor, and I've known, I've known him for years. This is the first time at 16th Street Theater. His wife, Julie Ganey, was actually in, um, Dental Society Midwinter Meeting here, so it's nice to have both those actors in one season. Um, but Brad is also his depth that he brings to, because it'd be very easy to write off the role of Dan as, oh, he's just this ironic, um, you know, dismissive, uh, guy who, um, uh, is, you know, is never gonna talk in a, in a meaningful way. And, um, uh, but then, you know, when he says, I just want everyone to be happy, <laughs> you really get insight into his character and who he yeah, is. Yeah, I, I thought Anish got, got everything out of it. Cause as much as I like the, uh, Stepmouth production, I thought your, oh, the Goodman. Your pro- yeah, I'm right. set to go. Your production was, uh, was somewhat stronger. You know, I wonder if it has to do with, the, you know, the intimacy of the space. And well, that's, that's part of it, but I think the, I think, uh, the direction and the actors, I think, uh, uh, like the Jasper character, I related to him much more than I did in the other production. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in- intimacy has a lot to do with it. I mean, I, I really prefer, um, uh, you know, when I first uh, started 16th Street Theater, um, just the, uh, the opportunity to do theater so close up um, is always my preference, and I just love to see the actor's eyes and to be just up close and to give the you know the audience that kind of um, you know dialogue where they really feel like they're in the room. Well, before we go into all the information about 16th Street, I got to mention uh, your adaptation and direction with Tony Fitzpatrick in Stations Lost. Oh, great! He great. is a he is a force of nature. He sure is. Yeah, he sure is. Tell us a little about that, because because I, I know you had a lot of input, and it's that's still running at Steppenwolf Garage. Right? It is, it is, it is. So the the crowd you're in with is running at 16th Street Theater through August 13th. But um, Stations Lost, which is um, written and performed by Tony Fitzpatrick, and then I did the adaptation and the direction. Um, my relationship with Tony Fitzpatrick um, goes back to this train. Um, and actually we, a friend of mine, Maggie Regatius, first introduced me to Tony. Um, it was just two years ago and she thought that, um, uh, that Tony's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony's work as, um, as a visual artist. I have, yeah, uh, cause I saw the, the train and I've since followed right, up. So oh yeah, right. he's fabulous. So. Yeah, so, you know, he has work in, in the MCA and in MoMA in New York and really all over the world. But he, um, is a visual artist who deals, um, uh, mostly in collage and, um, uh, and when he creates a piece of art, he um, he writes a piece, he writes an essay or a journal entry um, that goes along. And he actually has 
um, you know, a blog and email list, and he sends out a, a new piece of art every three days or so, and he also sends, um, like, a journal entry with it. And um, Maggie Regatius thought turning those um, journal entries into, you know, a piece of theater would be really interesting. And so that's when Tony and I met to talk about his idea of this train and having um, uh, he's, you know, just as you know, an amazing storyteller and very opinionated and a very intimidating guy in a way, but then also has just um, a heart of gold. He's just a beautiful, beautiful humanitarian. Yes, it, um, it comes off. It's, it, he's <laughs> Rough, tough guy, but you know, like he's 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 just a good guy. Yeah, and um, you know, and and this train was really all about being an artist who's out in the world and um, uh, dealing with your neighbors and home, and um, specifically about his pieces revolving around the hobo alphabet, um, which was the symbols that hobos used um. Uh, during the depression to, uh, you know, speak to each other when they were, you know, hopping trains looking for work. And so it's, it's just a beautiful piece. And we did this train together. And, um, that actually premiered at 16th Street Theater in January 2010. And then it was such a success. Every show was sold out before it even opened that then we, um, were asked to bring it to the Steppenwolf Garage, which we did last summer. Yeah, and then it was a I big hit it, yeah. there. And, you know, and, and Tom, you've seen the work, so you know that it's not just Tony telling stories. Um, there's also, um, John Rice on guitar. And then, um, uh, and for Stations Lost, we have an amazing vocalist, um, uh, Lynn Jordan. So um, some of the poetry that's within Tony's work is then um, interpreted through song. And the visuals. The, and the, the song, yeah. Right. And then it's a great look into his work, um, uh, you know, to be able to see his work, like, writ large, where you actually can see projected. Um, and uh, Kristen Reeves, who does all the video art, it really gives you a great um, look inside into the symbols that he uses in his work. Um and with Stations Lost specifically, it's about superheroes and fear and faith. Yeah, yeah, he he's got he's got a lot to say, and I understand <laughs> there's going to be at least one more. So it's a trilogy. It is a trilogy. It's 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 an American trilogy. Um, this train was the first, and now we're Stations Lost, and um, I'm not sure when the third one will be. But um, yeah, he he's just an amazing artist who does who tackles so many different. You know, to him, it's all it's all related. Um, his visual art, his poetry, um, his uh, theatrical works—it's—it's it's all what he does, and um, he's truly a, a great man out in the world. Yeah, he is. Well, now that's a—that's a good segue into the the 16th Street Theater. This is your fourth season, right? Um, yes, yes. Why uh, 16th Street? Why Berwyn? Sure, Which sure. is not exactly, you know, Berwyn's a real blue-collar yeah, yeah. city, nice city. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, uh, tell us how that came to be. Ab yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I was, um, um, I've been a freelance director for a long time, and before that I was the producing director over at Chicago Dramatist, which is, of course, a playwright theater mm -hmm. and devel developmental center for new plays. And I've always, you know, new plays has always been my passion. Um, and uh, in 2007, my husband and I um, and our daughter uh, were looking for a home. We're looking for a place to live. And we had many artist friends and musicians who had um, moved to Berwyn. So we started looking in this area, and we just fell in love with it. 
um, we ended up buying a house here. And here's the weird thing, because I know a lot of people think that, oh, I, I got, you know, I got this job at 16th Street Theater, and then I moved into Berwyn. But it was totally the other way around. We moved to Berwyn, and we were living in Humboldt Park before, and we said, you know, if we make this choice to leave the city, because that's a big choice, right? Sure. You're going from urban to suburban, and... Um, you know, how are we going to, how, how are we going to do this? And what kind of people are we going to be? And we really, um, made a promise to each other that, um, if we made this choice that we were going to make Berwyn our new home and not be the kind of people who will live in a suburb, but, um, are, you know, shameful of it and spend all their time in the city that we're actually going to commit to our community and that we wanted to do work where we live. And we kind of made jokes about, oh, we'll take over the theater and music scene in Berwyn, you know, ha ha ha. And, uh, it just so happened, it was just really good timing when I was, when we were moving here at the same time, the, uh, the North Berwyn Park District was putting the finishing touches on a brand new 49 seat, um, theater in the basement of a city building. And I, uh, when we came to town, I joined the Berwyn Arts Council. And John Fay, the president of the Arts Council, let me know that there was a small theater right here in Berwyn. Um, well, that's that's serendipity. Uh, I <laughs> I know. I just could not believe it. So I said, "Well, let me check this out." And I met with Joe Velez, who's the executive director of the North Berwyn Park District and a real visionary himself. I mean, just to actually, you know, build a theater. Um, you know, he always says, you know, not every kid is into sports, and he wants to serve you know, all the kids and all the people in the community. So he built this 49-seat theater, and um, and then I just came along, and I said, Joe, you you have a theater, and I want to start a theater, so let's get together. And that's what we did. And just um, a couple months later, we were already uh, planning a season, and that was in um, uh, that was in July, I think, of... 2007 when Joe and I first met and uh, by September and October we were rolling out the plays in January we had our first production which was um, uh, Teatro Luna's um, production of Machos. Um, and how in the world, let me ask this, how in the world, talk about guts, to start a new theater company and to specialize in uh, new works because I, you know a lot of theater companies are would like to do more new work but they're scared of it because they can't they don't know how to get an audience you know i've i've always felt that uh new work is the way to go you know there's just audience members have such opportunity to see plays that have been done again and again and again um i i i don't think that there's uh that's what we need to be focused on that there's a demand for that i'm always interested in the here and now and what writers are speaking about um the world we're living in right now no and, i agree with you i i we all you know especially as reviewers i'm so tired mm-hmm. of the same plays over and over again but i'm just talking about as a uh, as a theater company in you know paying the bills and getting an audience yeah I, yeah it's you a know, challenge isn't it well, uh, um, I, I don't think it's as much of a challenge as people make it out to be. I think, um, okay. I think people are, uh, you know, get scared and think that, that, you know, if you just do plays that people have heard about, that people are going to come. And I have not found that to be the experience. You know, um, the community of Berwyn and the people who come to 16th Street, um, you know, uh, have, oh, there's one, here's one funny thing that happened. This is like when we first announced our season and the, um, the play after Machos was called The Ascension of Carlotta by Will Dunn. And I got a phone call 
And um, uh, a woman had just read about us in the Sun-Times, and she said, you know, hi, I, I live in Stickney, and I see that you have a new theater, and I just have to ask you, what are these plays you're doing? This play called The Ascension of Carlotta? What is that? You know, it sounds so odd. And I said, well, ma'am, um, uh, I'll tell you that, you know, Glass Menagerie was once a new play that no one had ever heard of, and that is a very strange title indeed. And she says, well, now that's true. And I said, why don't you come to the theater and try it out? And, you know, if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. Wow, and, that's, um, that's an interesting <laughs> But, you know, she, but I think with new plays, sometimes, um, uh, you know, audiences at first are not sure if you're going to just do new work and you're going to do something shocking to be shocking. But once people realize that we're just doing plays that inspire dialogue and conversation, um, and that, you know, we're interested in doing the plays of all the people in the community that, um, you know, they began to trust us and people started coming right from the beginning. Well, that's terrific. And you haven't disappointed him because your, your play selection, do you, are you the one that selects? Yeah, the that's, that's my, that's my big job. Oh, as okay, that's your, director. And, yeah. and good for you. I mean, the stuff you've picked has been, has been really excellent. And then, and then of course you do have the other ingredient. You guys know how to produce them. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty strong. So you've developed this this following now of people that know hey, if it's Sixteenth Street, it's going to be good. And and that's the way that's the way I, quite frankly, it's how I schedule uh, a lot of the theater companies. Is I bet on the companies, mm-hmm. and I've told people that once you and then you go and see whatever they do, and I, whatever the name is, fine, you know, because I I know you're going to give me a good night at theater. Well, that's great. You know, that's that's what I hope. And you know, and this whole thing of starting a theater in Berwyn, you know, there's so many theaters in Chicago. You know, it's my dream that I think every community should have their own theater that I speaks agree. to the issues in in their neighborhood, and that's what we hope to do. And that's why we do. Um, we always have um, a play that speaks to the Latino experience in our season, at least one, if not more, because Berwyn, like many communities, is 50% Latino, and it's important to, you know, have that voice and to hear our story as well as our neighbor's story. Sure, that, that makes sense. So, uh, tell us exactly where you're at. I, I got an address of 6420 16th Street in Berwyn. Isn't that That's right. right Ridgeland? Yeah, we're on the, exactly, it's 16th Street in Ridgeland. We're in a city of Berwyn building. It used to be the old library, and now it's a theater in the basement. And, um, you know, we, uh, there's some, uh, there's some talk of us, um, having a new space on Roosevelt Road in the future. The North Berwyn Park District is, um, is securing a building to have a full arts center on Roosevelt Road. So that's in the works, but the, you know, the plan is to remain an intimate space. And for those people who aren't Sure, where Berwyn is. Uh, mm-hmm. You're just you're just south of Oak Park. Oh yeah, yeah. We're just yeah, we're just like you know five blocks from Oak Park, and um, so you know if you're coming from um, from the city from downtown, you just take 290 West straight out, and you exit at Austin, which is you know Chicago city limit right there, and um, just take Austin south to 16th Street. It's the same 16th Street that's in the city. You know, just mm-hmm. straight. It's just straight. Yeah. West. We had no problem getting it. It's easy. No, and there's it's, plenty it's really of parking and, all around there. Yeah, and we draw a lot from, you know, the western suburbs here, but also from um, from the neighborhoods in, in Chicago. People just seem to like the work we do, so that makes us really happy. So tell us what you have coming for the rest of your season. 
or, sure. for, your new, or for your new season. Up. Yeah, so after the crowd you're in with ends on August 13th, then um, we're actually, uh, due to high demand, we're bringing back our hit production of The Beats. Oh, terrific. Which was an adaptation by Marilyn Campbell, and uh, it was just a, a joyful production. Um, and uh, so you know, guys we, certainly make poetry come alive. Yeah, yeah. The, it's a, you know done with all young people, and then we have um, a couple uh, older hipsters um, playing live jazz. Uh, Grant Strombeck on drums, and um, so it was very successful. We're bringing it back because we want to, you know more people to get the opportunity to see it. All right, what what comes um, after that? So after the beats, and that the beats will start up September fifteenth, and we're going to give that a nice healthy run probably till about October twenty ninth, sure. and then we're we're trying something new. Um, it's called our holiday stories, and we um, have engaged. We've commissioned three writers: um, Elizabeth Berg, the novelist Elizabeth Berg, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Rohina Malik, the author of our show Unveiled. And Tanya Siracho, who we've had a relationship with from the beginning, she wrote Kita y Fernanda and Our Lady of the Underpass. Yeah, that and was all. She's a she's a major talent. Oh, she yeah. is a major talent. It, yeah, so talented, and her pieces are so joyful. Um, uh, those three are um, each writing um, uh, their own take on the holidays. Rohina's writing a piece about Ramadan. And uh, Elizabeth Berg is adapting um, a short story, Over the Hill and Through the Woods, that centers around a Thanksgiving, uh, a family Thanksgiving meal, and um, and then a piece from Tanya Siracho. So we just hope to kind of open up the holiday instead of just centering around. Thank God I, I, I get, you talk about getting tired of the same holiday shows over and over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we want to open it up and just bring in some other holidays into the mix. All right, great. Yeah. And that's what we have so far, and our our season five begins um, in January, and I'm choosing that season right now. So, um, so we haven't announced anything yet, but um, but I think we're going to um, focus on uh, the imagination and, and vision for our future. So it'll be exciting. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it will. And so let's talk about you as a director. I go back to uh, Eric Larue that you did. Oh, House yeah. of the of the blue leaves yeah. of shattered glow. Oh, you saw the change. Oh, uh huh. Right, right. Those are, uh, yeah, and I and I see uh, on your credits you, you're listed as a choreographer. I I have you choreographed any uh, musicals? You know, oh. um, that's that's how I started out. I was okay. a dancer, and I moved into choreography. And so my first um, my first work as an artist was um, was doing that kind of work. Um, once in a while, I do choreograph something. Um, my my love is directing, though. Um, but, uh, I did a choreograph. I don't know if you remember when Red Orchid did the very merry unauthorized Scientology pageant. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I did the choreography for that. Oh, okay. Uh, the folks over at Red Orchid are friends of mine. And, um, so once in a while, and I used to, when I first started out, I choreographed for Light Opera Works. Um, I, I did a couple shows there, but mostly I focus on, on directing. And, um, because I just, I just love, you know, new plays. Yeah, and give us your selection process. I know I get, I have a lot of uh, young playwrights that tell me this. How do I get my plays oh, read? Yeah. And you know, it's so hard. And I tell them, well, I said, well, yeah, it's hard, but guess what? You're in the right town. Mm, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, my advice to playwrights is always to 
to go to the playwright centers, which are, you know, Chicago Dramatists and Victory Gardens. Of course, Chicago Dramatists has that great Saturday series. Every oh, yeah. Saturday, a reading of a new play in progress. And um, just, uh, you know, connecting with other writers and, you know, getting to know all the great directors in town. You know, it's it's all... Um, you know what I what I think the best thing to do is you know you have to find a theater that does work that you're interested in, and um, you know because if you just submit your play to you know just willy nilly wherever, that's that's not the right relationship. You really need to get to know a theater and the work that they do and see if your work fits in with their. You that's know, good advice, and, their and a lot of people don't do that. You're right; they submit, so it's yeah. more than just. A, a theater company that does new work, it's those that do the type of new work. Right, yeah. And, and for me, I'm always interested in a playwright's um, uh, broader vision. So not just a particular play, but what, what issues, um, you know, is each playwright interested in exploring? And, you know, what's their voice as a writer? Um, that always comes first to me than just the particular play. You can know, they, I want to have can a they submit to you? Uh, they they can submit. We do have a submission policy on our website under the get involved, and then um, and then they click submission policy, and and it spells it out right there. Um, so yeah, so we'd we'd love to you know read plays, but we always ask um, you know writers to first they have to come and see something at our theater because they have to make sure that it's the right vibe for them. You know they should be mm-hmm. just as picky as we should be. That's you know that's good. Yeah, and if they have a play with forty characters, it just may might not work. Uh, exactly, <laughs> or something with um, high, you know, uh, technological needs because we're we're you know we're a low tech theater. We're we're focused on the words and we're focused on the actor. And um, you know we're not going to have something with a helicopter and it probably won't rain on stage here anytime soon. Yeah. How about uh, are you interested in doing musicals? You know, we have done plays with music, like The Beats and Tony Fitzpatrick's work. Um, I don't, I, I do uh, like some musicals, but I don't know if that's our focus. You know, it's just very difficult to get um, the high caliber of musicians and um, and singers. And you know, there's other theaters that do that so well. Circle Theater, you know, does musicals well. So I think they've got that covered in this area of the woods. So you're gonna you're gonna stick with. I think we're gonna stick with our with our new plays and um, you know plays that in, engage people in in dialogue and discussion. Okay, we're right at the end, and I always ask this question: uh, What are some of your unfulfilled goals or things you'd like to do oh, that you boy. haven't done yet? Oh wow! I know it's a tough question, That's but such a good question. You know, I think our next um, now that we're hitting our fifth season. We uh, really want to open up to the community more, and um, we do want to start some programs for for young people. And that is one goal in looking for a larger space, um, a, a center, an art center, so that we can, you know, we would love to um, uh, do some workshops and classes and get... Um, get people really of all ages involved in maybe the the making of theater as well as the um as well as participating as audience members Boy, that's needed that's a that, that's a lofty goal well yeah I but mean, somehow i think you'll you'll get to it yeah 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 but you know right now we're just um you know trying to um you know focus on uh the plays for you know season five and um and just engaging with our audience 
Well, thank you so much for the interview. Folks, you've got to make sure you get out to 16th Street. It's one of those little theaters that does big-time work, Mm -hmm. and and the the quality of your work has been very, very strong. Thank you, Tom. And, folks, go see a play this week.